Welcome to episode 72 of the Gambots Podcast. I'm your host, Eric, and this is my co-host. It's Christian. On this week's episode, Christian and I both watched the HBO movie Bad Education, and I watched a documentary on Netflix called Sour Grapes. But first, Christian, you and I both watched Bad Education. Now, this is starring Hugh Jackman, and when you picked it for this week, I was pumped because I'm a huge, 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 <laughs> huge Jackman fan. Yeah, I I typically am too. I go back and forth on his uh, musical stuff, but as far as just straight acting, I really, really like Hugh Jackman. So what is the basic storyline for Bad Education? So it follows a Long Island school district superintendent and his kind of like second in command, and they are slowly kind of caught embezzling just an ungodly amount of money from the the school district yes and what what is so striking to me in this one is just like the audacity that i guess the character jackman's playing is like a real person just like you know they went for it that he said he was convicted of stealing two million and she was convicted of like 4.4 million dollars yeah it's the amount of money it just it it boggled the mind, especially from like a school board. And granted, I I know like especially bigger school districts they have lots of money going into. So I could see how like maybe they wouldn't notice some here or there. But man, just like the fact that six million dollars over the course of what like ten years that they just didn't notice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is like an upper like an upper class neighborhood Long Island school district. So it's it's definitely not like the kind of school that I grew up around where they're <laughs> they're talking about doing all these crazy expansions and doing all these big fundraisers and their school board meetings were held in like an auditorium and ours were held in like a classroom. Yeah. Uh and so how part of the way that Hugh Jackman was able to basically do this is uh, and, and I shouldn't say Hugh Jackman. I, I just don't remember his character's <laughs> name. So it's just going to be Jackman from here on out. Uh, but the way he does it is like this guy was just extremely charming, right? Like he could talk his way out of anything, but he also backed it up with performance. Like he took the school from being dead last to being like third in the area, pushing for number one. They had students admitted into the top universities in the country and you know like he was delivering but also on top of it they were uh stealing money yeah and it was wild to watch his whole like his whole journey was i need to get this school to number one to i don't know like prove something to myself or to the community and like what could i possibly do to get this school to number one and it seems like the answer was stop stealing all their money yeah. Like what you have an extra eight, you know, six million. To yeah. Like what? Here. How much good could they have done for that school district if they weren't letting like their nieces buy playstations? What was crazy was like the extent that Jackman's character knew about not just like the students in his district, but also their parents. Like you saw him there, like quizzing himself to have a little bit of something to say to each parent, which shows dedication. But also on a certain level, it's like. I respect that kind of grind where you're like, I got I want to impress people, but you're not really getting to people. You don't really get to know people on a personal level. Like it, it's just, uh, just an exercise at that point. It's not really like you care about them. Yeah. He had like flashcards and Alice and Janie was 
asking him questions and quizzing him about people's hobbies and spouses and everything that was that was wild yeah and like that's a way i think you can at the very least on a surface level get people to be like oh wow he's so great he remembers me but like that's not genuine no i will say though like it seemed like jackman's character was supposed to be a pretty intelligent guy like he's quoting literature and all that and just the sheer amount of names he had to remember seem <laughs> crazy like there's a lot of students in not just a high school but like a district that's you know elementary middle high school of multiple areas yeah and he remembered people from like after they left too like he was talking about like oh you're so-and-so's little sister or you're so-and-so's brother and like oh we had them three years ago or whatever and it's like i guess once it's in there it's stuck yeah so one thing that confused me a little bit and maybe you will be able to explain this to me better was hugh jackman and what was the woman's name again uh alice and uh, Janney. and alice and Janney were they in on this together oh yeah for sure okay because they seem to have two very different styles of embezzling and i didn't know if like they both had been embezzling and they found out each other and then had a pact <laughs> or if this was like an effort between both of them from the get-go uh yeah i mean i could see it going either way they were they were definitely aware of each other if nothing else it it seemed like it seemed to me like they were in on it together and you jackman was more angry at her for letting it get so out of control with like giving the card to her family and stuff than he actually yes. was about her doing right. any of this right so how how it seemed like her way to embezzle the money was and this did not seem to be like an official way and i do want to get into that later on about how they could have gotten away with this she just put her family on the the the, the school district's credit cards and let them spend on whatever yep. which is the worst way but because she handled the budget she would just delete them at the end of the month and i am guessing attach it to either create fake invoices or attach like higher amounts to existing invoices i'm not entirely sure and jackman's was he created an llc that he just billed i think it was eight hundred thousand dollars a year to for random projects yeah to make pamphlets i think it was yeah so two different ways but man the allison janey's one is just infuriating because it was <laughs> it's she's very, like yeah go ahead like spend buy, buy a ps4 for your nephew like we don't care it's very precarious yeah at least you jackman's had like a somewhat legitimate paper trail and she was just like just put it on the card right makes <laughs> No sense, and it was, and she got caught because she gave it to her son, and her son just went to a bunch of different uh, Ace Hardwares or Home Depots or Lowe's or whatever, and just had it all delivered to his house. And then I guess one of the the kids, one of the students of the district's parents owned it, was like, "What is going on here? Why is this like shower curtain going here for the school?" What a way to get caught that it was just like it was like a friend of a friend of the school board member was like somebody came in with the district card and bought a bunch of home improvement supplies. Yeah. Like this doesn't make any sense. I really liked Ray Romano in this. He was good. I was surprised to see him. I, I was not expecting that. Yeah, he he did he did a good job at getting like wooed in by by Hugh Jackman at first and then confronting him on the bleachers at the end and uh, yeah, I liked his character a lot. Right, and I mean, 
and that's the that's why Jackman's character was so good, right? Like when uh, Janie's character was caught, he was telling basically the school board like stuff that made it seem like them not reporting this crime was the right thing to do because you know it's not just me we've all worked so hard Mm -hmm. we need to get the school up your property taxes are going to go down if she pays us back you know it's no big deal right and it's like they want to hear that because oftentimes doing the hard thing uh or i guess doing the right thing is not the not the easier option it's like the harder option so it's easy to let yourself get talked into doing the easier option yeah Do you think Jimmy Tatrell, uh, the guy who played her son, is just feels? Do you think he enjoys being typecast as a dumb character? <laughs> yeah, he's, I mean, as long as it's making him money, I guess. Right, but I I feel so bad because he's funny, and I feel like he could actually have range. But he is the same character like American Vandal. He played like a stupid guy, a stupid kid. <laughs> He plays, like, a stupid kid in Modern Family. In Stuber, he played, like, a stupid kid again. And in this, he played a stupid kid. Like, I, I feel like the, he needs to get, you know, some more uh, some more range. Not not him, I guess. He needs he needs some new roles, though, because yeah. I do like him. I did re- think that the, the scene where she comes home after getting fired that day was really funny. And she walks in and she's like, where is he? And he's just, like, eating pretzels. <laughs> Walking down the stairs like, hi. <laughs> right how about i mean talking about stupid characters how about the um the auditor that was supposed to be catching all this stuff oh my gosh see i at least well yes number one he was not doing his job at all (laughs) but i guess i at least sort of understand from his point of view where he's like i trusted her i believed her and she said it was right and and, but his entire job is literally double checking and it, he didn't do that for years yeah i mean he's supposed to be like an independent check on these people and and he's just oh yeah i took her word for it like that's the uh, why even have you around then i feel bad that he got arrested in the end yeah i mean he did he, he wasn't necessarily in on it from the jump but i mean you jackman definitely kind of talked him into being an accomplice yeah on that second round when he confronted him but at that point like if you think Hugh Jackman's involved, I feel like you go straight to the cops, right? Like that's how you establish your innocence and not going to Hugh Jackman and then hoping it blows over. Yeah. The, the, the part we haven't talked about at all yet is the student journalist. Oh my gosh. And it's actually such a big part of the movie. It, it really reminded me of the documentary we talked about a little while ago, uh, the Panama papers. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, the importance of independent journalism, which in this case happened to be a school newspaper. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she was great. She was in uh, she's in the movie Blockers. She's one of the girls. Oh, okay. And then I didn't remember that. The uh, the editor, of course, is the kid from Jumanji. He came on screen, <laughs> and I was like, ah, oh, Jumanji. <laughs> Man, I did not pick up on either of those, and I saw both those movies. <laughs> But yeah, she's she goes in and talks to you, Jackman, just to get a quote about this construction project they're doing, and he's like, "Don't let this, don't let them tell you it's a fluff piece. Dig into this." And so she does, and she finds all this embezzlement. Basically, seals his own fate. Like as soon as that happened, I was like, "Oh, this is foreshadowing." Like he's <laughs> he is the cause of his own demise. Yeah, that was incredible, and it was it was interesting that like she found this stuff and she was digging in on it at the same time that. Alice and Janie's son was kind of screwing them. And so it was like, it was like getting revealed on two fronts at the same time. 
Right, like it could have been completely covered up had she had not continued. Yeah, they could have swept it under the rug, but then she's like, "Nope, we're gonna we're gonna go go ahead with this." The amount of work that a this a sophomore high school student did on this <laughs> is amazing. Because honestly, Christian, I would not have, and I don't know how many sophomores in my school would have like continued on this story after basically being like don't do a puff piece go on more and you do and then the school editor's like we don't need any of this like i am really surprised she continued with it and it's impressive yeah if i didn't notice there was like money missing i might have kept digging in a little bit just because i like puzzles i would have wanted to see where where things were getting placed but yeah i mean it would have been it would have been tough to find the motivation if it wasn't for anything yeah i mean she was like calling people and you know like asking teachers and blah 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 like it's it was a legitimate uh undertaking and i you know it's stories like that where it's like man good journalism is really interesting and i feel like it like it get like journalism in general gets such a bad rap but when it's done well like it is so important for rooting out corruption well the scene where she goes inadvertently goes to Hugh jackman's house yeah, that was stressful because I mean, it's one thing to call around and be like, oh, this number doesn't belong to the person we thought it did. Like, OK, that's a lead. It's another thing to go to like some random Manhattan apartment to chase down this lead. Like with the amount of money that was on the line, if she to tip somebody off, like she absolutely could have gotten murdered. She could have. And sorry i forgot like that's oh yeah that's all i was sorry. thinking about during that sequence was she's she's gonna go knock on this guy's door and be like i'm investigating such and such a thing and like they're just gonna kill her yeah especially because like you know that apartment is not involved with anything that they built no. at that point and when yeah when Hugh jackman got out of the elevator and they like locked eyes in the hallway that was man i was stressed out run <laughs> just run yeah he does play such a good creep though like because he he's like so charming once he turns on a dime and is just a complete jerk like when he tries to strong arm her into not writing this story i was like oh like he's playing it so well but this is what people in power do like they try and blame you for their own like not just moral failings but like legal failings yeah and he walked away and he came into the school the next day super confident like oh yeah like it's taken care of she's not gonna do it yeah well him like the scene of him and him uh coming in is the same as the the woman from the beginning when they uh they both got caught like it was everyone staring at them and then not really noticing it till they came into the main office and every worker just being like oh my gosh what's (laughs) going on yeah it was incredible I will say the one thing I wasn't really clear on is what they were building. Oh yeah, I had no idea either. The Skywalk. Yeah, they kept they kept calling it. I think it was the Skywalker, like the the Sky Hall or something. And all they right. kept saying was, "It's going to connect one end of the building to the other." And I kept thinking, like, is the building a horseshoe? Because otherwise, right, like... that's just a hallway. Yeah, the best I could think of is if, like, it was such a big school that they had two buildings that required, like, students to go across a street or something. I guess. And they would build something over it. But, yeah, I was really unclear. Or you're right, if it was, like, a horseshoe or some weird design where maybe it could have, if you had to go from one end to the other, it could greatly reduce the amount. But 
I was unclear on that. Yeah, I, like if if they'd have said, "Oh, it's gonna connect our our buildings or whatever," then I'd have been. They just kept saying it connects one end of the building to the other, and I was like, "I don't know what that means." Yeah, and uh, we could probably look this up if we, I guess, Google that's cool. But yeah, I mean, it's it's yeah. literally not important to the story at all, other than just no. that's the construction project that got this girl in on the story. But yeah, I, I was just. I, I couldn't wrap my head around what it was. Yeah, I, I was it was a little unclear as well. Do you think that the the student journalist cut a cut a scholarship after this? I feel like she should. Oh man, I she has to have like there's no way. Right. It was like she broke a story that no one else broke. Like the school and newspaper broke a story that then like national news jumped on. Yeah, like I can. I kind of vaguely remember this happening just because of that, that it was broken by a student paper, but I definitely don't didn't know any of the details. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I had never heard of that before this, this movie. Uh, so I am curious. I want to go over with you. I think we can set this up so they don't actually get caught. Like, they made some pretty <laughs> bad mistakes. Yeah, I mean, given, given the card out to family members, number one. Right, so here's how, if they had talked to an attorney beforehand, but then, you know, attorneys can't tell them how to commit a crime, but had they had had any knowledge, their biggest problem was they were just, like, it. they were doing stuff that any person could look at in plain sight, and sure, it's a little bit hidden, but they were just putting lies in plain sight that any minor follow-up would show was false, right? Yeah, I mean, even the girl said when, when they were, when Alice and Janie was kind of trying to not give her the records, even she said, you know, all these expense reports are public record. I can get them somewhere else. Right. And so Alice and Janie's issue was she should have gone the Hugh Jackman route of creating her own LLC, but, he, and I will get into why he did not take enough steps. <laughs> So she should have created an LLC and basically had actual... All right, I'm actually going to combine them together because this is what they both should have done. (laughs) So for her instance, you create an LLC and then like, if she wants to give her family credit cards, you give them credit cards from that LLC. You don't give them straight from the school board to the LLC, right? And so the school board, you know, you take bids or whatever. You then have your LLC, uh, your company put a bid into one of the random school projects. Uh, and so her issue was she chose like real things that you could check up on. So she's like, oh, we bought this from a manufacturer. And they're like, we never did that. You do something really random that doesn't actually involve like you providing anything like, oh, we provided consulting on X, Y, and Z that no one can really check up on very mm-hmm. easily. Right. And her other issue was that they put down, like, her husband's phone number for a car dealership where the car dealership's answering. Yeah. If you're embezzling $800,000 <laughs> a year, Get a you have enough. Phone. <laughs> a track phone. No, you go one up. Like, you have enough money where you, you buy a legitimate space, yeah. right? Like, you rent a space for this company. You put a phone in there. You never answer the phone, but you have a real voicemail, like, set up where someone's like, I'm sorry, we can't come to the phone right now. And then when you get it, like you call them back and respond in a way, you know, in a way that doesn't make them suspicious. You don't just have them pick up. So there's a lot of little things there that they could have, both of them could have done. And still, then you don't run into a lot of these issues. Yeah. I mean, you can't take as much money on a whim, but, you know, you set yourself up a solid salary of 
four or five hundred thousand dollars a year for you know consulting or whatever i mean people might be like i can't believe they pay that much for consulting and maybe they'll look into it a little more but i think it's less likely than calling up uh being like oh we charged a million dollars for beakers and literally no (laughs) one has them yeah and it's also probably don't uh, don't expense out individual items like first class plane tickets to the right. to the school itself. Right. Oh my god, that's dumb. Or your dry cleaning for thirty grand. Yeah. Also, I mean, they could make it one step further because Jackman's problem was he put his like long term partner as, uh, like the owner of it, and he put his home address <laughs> as the office. That's why you get a separate office. Also, you can create you can basically create a shell corporation. You can create. You create a controlling LLC that controls this, so when people look it up, you don't have your boyfriend's name as, like, the president or whatever. You have, oh, it's this company, too. And then you actually create that in a state where you're not required to file who the owners are. <laughs> I mean, they, they could have literally put some effort into it, and I would guess not have got caught. Like, you can raise a stink where it's like they have questionable consulting services and, you know, you at least have time to react to it. Mm-hmm. Like, the way that they did it, they did not. Speaking of the partner, I definitely loved how he they, they pulled him down to the police station to talk to him about his, his like, illegitimate LLC. And he's like, oh, no, it was all just me. And, we like, we did all this for sure, no problem. And they were like, oh, so then you know about the secret house that he bought his, his boyfriend, right? And the guy's like, hmm. <laughs> Immediately turned. Yeah. <laughs> That'll do it. Boy, that it was like such a weird side story that Jackman uh had a boyfriend in Nevada. Do you think when he went there, he knew that prior that past student was working at that bar? Or do you think that was pure chance? I couldn't really put my finger on that. It it seemed like chance, but everything else about Jackman's character was so calculated. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure. Because when when that was happening, I was like, did he know he was working there? Because it seemed a, like calculated, like it seemed a little bit staged. Like he's like, oh, I can't, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, what are the chances he directly remembers that one kid from fifteen years ago? Yeah, but you know, maybe he did. I don't know. I I was just curious on that one. All right, Christian, do you know how this uh, has fared with critics? It's done pretty well. The Rotten Tomatoes has it at a 93% for critic score. Uh, audience has it just a little lower at 84, which I don't know about you, but I'd probably side with the 84%. I really like this movie. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think it's a very well done movie. Um, definitely not like one of the best I've ever seen, but the performances on it are really well done, especially for a much more grounded movie. So I would definitely say check this one out if it was me yeah this was a good transition for me too especially since we've been doing so many documentaries lately and this was like (laughs) a a based on a true story so it was an actual movie i was watching but it was still like documentary adjacent yeah And well, speaking of all the documentaries we've been watching, Eric, you got to watch a documentary about wine fraud this week called Sour Grapes. So tell us about that one. Uh, So this one's interesting. I did not know it was about the fraudulent sale of expensive wines when I started it. I just assumed it was a documentary on wines and was pleasantly surprised (laughs) that it fits so perfectly with this week's episode. 
So the the premise of this is back in, I think it's 2004, basically the earlier 2000s, a younger guy by the name of Rudy Kurniawan entered the high-end wine like auction scene. And what was noticeable about him was like he was young. Like it looked like he's probably in his 20s. And this is a scene dominated by old rich people. Like you have to have a lot of money to be in this scene. They were selling like single bottles of wine for 10 grand plus. Oh my God. Right. And so weirdly in this movie, Bill Koch, one of the Koch brothers, is like showing his extensive wine collection. He said he has 43,000 bottles of wine. And each one of them is, you know, probably thousand dollar bottles of wine. Like it's just crazy the amounts of money that is in the into wine. This is one of those things that, like, I always, like, academically I understand it exists, but just hearing about somebody paying that much money for a a bottle of anything is insane. Yeah, especially because you meet a lot of people in this. I and it makes me wonder. Like, do the people who are drinking and paying a thousand dollars, or you know, not a thousand, like ten, ten grand for this bottle of wine, truly like appreciate it? Because some of it, like some of this, leads me to believe like they they don't really know the difference between a whatever a nineteen forty six. What I forget the name of it, but you know, like one of those super rare wines versus a boxed wine, right? Like they, to me, they all taste the same, and I, I got a feeling to them they don't on it. Like they can probably tell a little bit, but they they do not appreciate it to the extent that you're paying hundreds of thousands of dollars for a wine collection. Yeah, like how much better than a bottle of sangria can this really be? Right, it's more about I think possessing something rare than it is about the tasting at that point. It, but they try and like justify it with being like it's so much better than anything <laughs> you can get. Yeah, which I mean, if it's if you're just gonna come off and say like this, I paid this amount of money because there's only one of them and I wanted to have it. I'm gonna respect you a lot more than if you're gonna stand there and be like, oh no, the flavor is is so much stronger than than in your Arbor Mist and. <laughs> Like just just say what it is. Obviously, there, like there are degrees to wine. Like there is good wine and bad wine for sure. But there is no such thing as a wine that good. Right, and that's that's the thing is like I do believe there are people in this world who genuinely enjoy wine that much. Like I watched a documentary on sommeliers, and it I it's literally insane. <laughs> what they are able to do like they will drink a glass of wine and be like it is from this year and this vineyard and this batch like they they are very well trained but those guys are not the ones who are paying the hundred thousand dollar collection right like but they're the ones who probably could enjoy it most yeah and also like the vintners uh they have the one one of the vintner uh owners or i guess i don't know if a vintner's owner but one of the guy who owns one of the vineyards in uh normandy it seems like he legitimately enjoys wine too because he's able to explain stuff, but he's also like making it and owns these rare wines. Like it's a family business. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Rudy comes into this scene and starts spending just ungodly amounts of money. <laughs> um, and actually a pretty interesting scheme where he wasn't targeting rare wines. He was buying wines that were basically moderately priced, but he had bought them in such quantities that then it drove the price up. Mm. So it would then make sense for him to go and resell them at a profit. 
Interesting. But during this time, like he wasn't just buying those, he was buying other wines. Uh, so when he finally went to sell his collection, I think they said his collection was worth over $35 million. Oh my God. Uh, so he started uh, working with this auction house in New York. At Christian, it might actually be more than $35 million. He might have sold $35 million with one of the auction houses in like one of the sales. I, I can't remember the exact numbers because they're just so in, like mind-bogglingly insane for wine. Uh, but he goes to start selling them, and then people start noticing like this guy is selling us uh, counterfeit bottles and everything. Like It's just these are not actually what we're buying we were supposed to be paying for and like the auction house wasn't verifying them Mm -hmm. and where the story is interesting it actually like uh bad education where there are two uh investigations (laughs) um there are actually two it seemed like people in investigating rudy independent of each other one was one of the winery owners from normandy who looked at like a sale book from this auction and was like the five wines you have on your cover are all counterfeit. We did like, cause they were for his vineyard. He's like, we never made any of these. Like this wine from 1947, we did not make this kind in that year. That wasn't introduced until like 1951 or whatever. And then also Bill Cook at the same time had had someone like find a, a fake wine in his collection. So he went, had someone come through and like actually verify all of his wine. And it, like, it was something like a quarter of his collection or something was all just, you know fake that's crazy right and so like fraudulent wine sales seem to be actually rampant and no one is <laughs> checking these very closely and so when they start like going back to see like oh where are these coming from they lead to rudy uh rudy and they're like hey where did you get this stuff and you know he's trying to play it off and he starts giving them like oh i bought it from this guy in indonesia and then it goes like international, no one able to finding out where Rudy actually got this wine. And then when, you know, everything kind of comes to a head and it turns out like they get the FBI involved. <laughs> it's like they go into his house and he just has like bottles of wine everywhere. And he has like a McMansion. It's just like wine everywhere and bought like a bottling station. So it seems like he was mixing wines together that he had tasted to try and like get them right. And then was counterfeiting labels and stuff. So it was just insane. It was like a real life episode, of, uh, a real life event of the white collar TV show. Yeah, that's what all I could think of as you're describing this was that it just feels like an episode of white collar. Less fedoras, but. <laughs> well, that's too bad. Yeah. That's where uh, he went wrong. If he had that, they would have <laughs> never got him. No, so it was just crazy because, like, White Collar at least makes it seem, like, insane. Because I actually had just, either yesterday or today, watched an episode where they had a counterfeit, a bottle of, like, Ben Franklin wine or mm. something. Um, and they were like, we need to steal the right soil and the right wax. And, like, Rudy did none of that. Like, he was printing a <laughs> label out with, like, a laser jet printer and it was being sold. Like, no one checked it. Oh, man. Yeah. And then once it like finally went into it, they're like, "Oh, this is the, the name of this street is spelled wrong." Like he had typos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the mind sees what it wants to see, <laughs> right? Like, so it's like impressive that he like did some research, but the people like who are actually experts who are not the ones buying the wine, but they're like the makers and stuff started looking at it. They're like, "Oh no, like." We didn't sell this wine in that year, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so it was just like, oh, man. Like, again, if people had been paying attention, they could have called him on it pretty quickly. 
This conversation kind of reminds me of the world from Velvet Buzzsaw, where it's like, what gives these things their value? <laughs> people willing to pay for yeah, it. Yeah, it's it's yeah. I, I guess that's hundred percent. It is just everything's just fabricated. But yeah, like the the idea that these these people are just like the 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 idea that this guy could walk in and even with a fraudulent thing sell a bottle of wine for as much as he was selling these bottles of wine for like no one should be allowed to pay that much for any kind of a bottle of wine right and so i actually don't think his story is the most interesting thing like they kind of tag this on at the end and i was like man i want to hear this story so they think Rudy was like part of a family affair with like his family back in Indonesia. And at the end, they're like, oh, yeah, Rudy's uncles were part of the largest bank heist in Indonesian history. What? They stole like seven hundred and fifty eight million dollars and were never caught. Oh, my God. They think like they he in some way was getting bankrolled by them, either through his mom or whatever, to get the initial payments. But it's just like they stole three quarters of a billion dollars yeah you would think that they would have dived into that a little more right it's just like wait a minute what because when rudy came on the scene everyone's like he had a mysterious background we just assumed he was a rich like chinese trust fund baby (laughs) like (laughs) that's incredible yeah so it's just like wait a minute why aren't we following this story uh so what actually is also is funny but also sort of sad during this whole movie is they were interviewing people who were part of like this high rollers wine club who it was like exclusive invite to they would have parties four times a year where like a different person would host or maybe it was eight times a year i can't remember for sure and they'd be like we would drink like a hundred thousand dollars worth of wine right and so rudy was part of that group and the whole movie, it makes it seem like, you know, they're like, we pay all this. We know what we're talking about on the wine. And this gets back to my point earlier of like, do these guys truly appreciate it? Uh, so the one guy who was Hollywood director was like, I don't believe Rudy, you know, like, sure, maybe like 10% of the wine was counterfeit of his, but, you know, like 90% of it was real. He's like, this bottle right here is real. And it shows him and his friends going to this like wine bar in LA or New York or whatever. And they're sitting there talking about how good this wine is. And they're like, here, to a sommelier, he's like, tell us this isn't the best wine ever. And he's like, like, you see the guy taste it and within seconds go, what kind of wine is this? And they're like this. And he's like, how long have you opened it for? And they're like, just now. And he's like, this isn't that wine. (laughs) And they're like, what? And he's like, no, I'm very familiar with this wine. Like, that is like an egg on a blt you know like it's delicious he's like this tastes like skunked like wine (laughs) and and that's just like one of those things where you're like you paid 10 grand for that bottle of wine like you do you really appreciate these things like i get you want to be part of that world but like i feel like you're self-inflating your own value when yeah like they seem so pretentious talking about it and within seconds like this guy that it's his profession is like that's fake (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing but just from the taste he was like no 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 and, and dude this guy was like crushed because the whole movie he's like rudy didn't do it and then like in a later interview he's like i can't believe rudy got me <laughs> oh that's incredible yeah i mean it was funny but also just like uh i feel like you know like 
kind of feel bad for that guy, but also yeah. he was so pretentious and being like, <laughs> if you want to come buy $100,000 of wine, here's where you go. Like, What was this on? This was on Netflix. Oh, nice. I'm probably going to watch this this weekend. It's a quick watch. It's only an hour and a half. I think an hour and a half. That's hour and 40, funny. maybe. It's interesting. Like, I thought it was really going to be more... It is about wine, but, like, the whole uh, fraud side of it is is way more interesting. And it, it really is, like, white collar. I always watch white collar. I'm like, I wonder what a high-end crime really looks like, and it is this. <laughs> yeah, here it is. So, how did this do with the, the critics, then? It's done well. This has a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes with the critics and a 94 with the audience, and... I gotta say, I'd put it up there. Again, like uh, Finders Keepers, this is a very well-made documentary. They, at the very least, I feel like they try and have people who support Rudy until their <laughs> their, uh, their view of him is shattered on camera. <laughs> uh, so, like, I, I think they did a really good job. Like, this is an interesting documentary. Yeah, I'm, I probably am going to watch this this week or this weekend. <laughs> Christian before we head out what are you checking out this week so I've been playing the uh, Spider-Man PS4 which is amazing I, I'm glad I finally cut the cellophane open on that because it's just been staring at me from the shelf and it's so smooth uh, I finished the story this week I have all three uh, DLCs that I'm still planning on working through I have not platinumed yet, it yet I've got a few things left to do um, I've done almost everything on the Platinum. I didn't scare like 500 birds, I think I have to do or something. And no, I did the, the, the pigeon races or whatever. Well, no, it's, I think there's like a hidden trophy for like, disturb 500 flocks of pigeons or something. Really? Yeah. Cause I got all the, I got all the, uh, all the collectibles. I have the backpacks, the, the pigeons, the, uh, like the black cat collectibles, the whole thing. I wonder if that's a, a DLC trophy. I don't remember that one. Yeah, I mean, it might be, but it's... I, I scrolled through, like, the regular trophies for the, the original game, and that's the only thing I could see that I hadn't... I also don't have all the suits yet, which I don't know if I'm going to be able to. Oh, my gosh. It, I'm looking at it now. It is the Disturbed 500 Flocks of Pigeons? Yeah. Like, they, they, like, roost on ledges, and you have to, like, zip up to the ledge and scare them away. Honestly, I zip around huh. so much, I'm surprised I didn't just kind of get it organically. I don't, but I wish, on Xbox, at least the way it used to be, when it was an achievement like this, it would keep track for you and tell you, like, how close you were. And PlayStation doesn't, and it really bugs me. Yeah, I, honestly, Christian, I got that one organically. I did not even know that was a trophy when I went for it. Like, I, I can't believe that you have not gotten that yet. Yeah. I guess if you're just going for the hundred percent, I, I bet you'll, you'll eventually run into it though. Yeah, that's what I'm. I'm, I'm not really looking to, to go hunting for them. I figure when I run through the three DLCs, I'll, I'll eventually get there. Uh, but I don't know if I'm gonna get all the suits. Like, I'm at. The, I only have two left. And at least from the the original game, and I I'm short like ten challenge tokens, and I was bad at a lot of those challenges. Um, the challenge ones are you have to do. Oh, I forget his name. Taskmaster. Uh, task, the Taskmaster challenges. Yeah. 
I think you only need to get what silver on them or whatever. Well, yeah, you need to get uh, silver on each of them to get the trophy for it, which mm. I, oh, I did. And then you need to pay for them themselves. Yeah, so I, I got silver on at least one of each of the different kinds, but I'm, I'm still short on... Because I wasted a bunch of them upgrading my gadgets because I, I had assumed there was oh. going to be a trophy for, like, upgrade everything completely. I see. And so yes. now I'm, I'm, like, ten short on, on buying my suits. I wonder, yeah, that sucks. <laughs> Man, that's really rough. I didn't, yeah, I, I didn't think of that. I was, wonder, I was trying to think what you spent your stuff on. Getting gold on the Taskmaster challenges are kind of a pain. Yeah, I got gold on exactly one. I got bronze on most of them. And then, like I said, I got silver on just shy of one of, or just over one of each to get the trophy. And then I quit. I was like, ah, what am I going to need these for, right? <laughs> yeah. I will say, I think you could probably do silver if you take a little bit of practice, because a lot of them are just, like, races, right? Yeah, it's it was the drone ones that I wasn't good at, and, like, the stealth oh, yeah. and the combat I, I did pretty well, because I fully maxed my guy out pretty early, so I'm, like, I'm good on combat, and I like the stealth missions. They remind me kind of of doing bandit camps in Horizon, but those, the, the races against the drones was awful. Yeah. Well, good luck on that. How did you like the story? <laughs> I did really like the story. The, uh, um, I mean, it's kind of split in half, right? The, yeah. And so I, I was pretty sure I figured out who Mister Negative was pretty early on, and I was right. And then you throw him in jail, and you working for Doc Ock, you just keep waiting for the other shoe to drop the whole time. Mm-hmm. And so you'll get those voicemails like, "Oh, we can, we can make ourselves better," and it's like, "All right, yeah, I, I know where this is going." See, I was the exact opposite. Like, I knew something was up, but I was like, I wonder if they're saving him for a sequel. I figured they were saving Green Goblin since they didn't do really anything with the Osborns. Yeah. I was surprised when I played this game, like, how emotionally invested I got in it. Like, the final battle with him fighting and stuff. Yeah. And him being like, I always knew Peter. And he's like, you were like my father. You know, like, I was really surprised. Yeah, it was really, really good. And the controls are so smooth. Oh yeah, it is such a fun game to just run around in. Like when, when I'm trying to explain games, like if game if a game feels good, even if it has some tedious parts, like I don't mind playing it. Mm-hmm. And that's like one of those games where just traveling is fun. Yeah. Now I will say, if you get motion sick, this probably isn't the game for you. Because I <laughs> yeah. I do, and it was just shy of making me sick. Like in certain parts, like what before I unlocked fast travel and I would have to swing from like one end of Manhattan to the other, it was just short of making me motion sick. The only parts I really had problems at on that were, um, I remember like doing the dive off of Avengers tower. Oh yeah. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like my stomach's turning a little (laughs) bit on this. That's one of the last trophies I got because then there was a trophy for do like four tricks in the same jump. Yeah. And so I was like, well, Avengers Tower is the tallest building to jump off of. How funny is it that in a Spider-Man game, they're like, yeah, you can really do tricks. I mean, it doesn't do anything, but it's like kind of like <laughs> yeah. Tony, Tony Hawk. It gives you like, like five experience points. Right. Like, like a negligible amount of benefit. <laughs> I also didn't care for the running around trying to high five people. Oh yeah, you have to high five ten people, but you know it was it was fine. It just hurts to I think be. It's up. funny that that's just in the game. Yeah, it just hurts to be on the ground when you can be like zipping around up there. 
Right. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the DLCs. Uh, the, the first one is Black Cat. I'm, the second one is some kind of a mobster, I think. And then the third one is Silver Sable comes back. I really liked her as a character, so I was, I'm excited to get to that one. Yeah, I I didn't play the DLCs, and I, I don't even know how they were reviewed, so I'm, I'm interested to see how, uh, how you like them. Yeah. But other than Spider-Man, which took up a, a big chunk of my time this week, uh, I started Marvelous Mrs. Maisel on Amazon Prime. I'm like one episode into that. I've, I've heard it's good from a lot of different people, so we'll see how that goes. Cool. Uh, for me this week, I start. So I finally platinum Divinity Original Sin 2, and the review for that will be online soon. For a written review, I am very excited. Uh, and after I platinumed it on Thursday, I ended up taking most of the weekend off from playing video <laughs> games. But I started back up Rage 2 last night because I've been really wanting to play Doom Eternal. I was like, yeah, I'll play another Bethesda shooter. And. I don't know, man. It just does not feel great. I think I'm just going to power through to get the platinum, mm-hmm. but I am not loving it. It does not seem to be greatly designed, so I, I'm kind of annoyed I bought that game. Yeah, that's too bad. Um, otherwise, Avatar The Last Airbender, I think it's tomorrow, is yep. on Netflix again, and I, I'm probably going to rewatch that. It's great. This, I yeah. was talking to a friend of mine about that, and I, I texted him, and he's like, I have the whole thing on DVD. I was like, yeah, so do I, but I'm still super excited about this. Right. I wish they were putting Korra on there, too, oh, yeah, because I've too. only watched, like, a little over half of Korra. There are um, seasons of Korra that I think are better than Airbender. See, and I, 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 I kind of forget Korra at this point. I only watched it once, and then, like, at a certain point on Amazon Prime, like you had to pay for it, so I stopped watching it. Um, I think I watched the first season and it was like kind of jarring, but I like the second season better. I'm, I think I'm the exact opposite. Second season of Korra might be my least favorite of all seven of the the Avatar. Is that the is she? I and I apologize. Is she in the Water Kingdom in the second one? Yeah, and they okay. uh, they like merge the the physical and the spirit world at a certain point that's right i feel like the first one i and this like this is on me because i think when i first watched it whenever it was airing i didn't necessarily like the direction they took avatar but i think on the when i rewatched it i liked it better Mm -hmm. so i'm curious if like on a third rewatch one like (laughs) i haven't watched avatar in a decade at this point like if i don't care at all about that direction um there was a bundle I saw at Walmart one day, and I almost bought it, and then I, I talked myself out of it. And I, sometimes I kind of wish I had, but it was uh, all seven seasons, basically. It was all, all three Avatars and all three Koras on Blu-ray for, like, $65. That's a pretty good deal. Yeah, it wasn't bad for seven seasons of a TV show. I, um, I was actually really going to buy The Last Airbender over Christmas, but it was, like, it's like 20 bucks online for like the DVD set, but I don't have an easy way to watch DVDs on my main television anymore. Mm-hmm. So I was like, ah, like I'll buy it digitally, but it was like expensive to buy it digitally. It was like 50 or 60 bucks. Oh, and I was like, nah, I'm not paying that. Yeah. So I'm glad I held off. Yeah. I am excited that it's coming back to Netflix. It's just, it's just easy to watch. I kind of wish on Cora that they would have put it further away from the last airbender. I feel like they kind of relied 
I, I think their intention was like to rely on the past characters as adults, but I, I feel like it might hinder it because I think some fans of the original like me were turned off a little bit by it. Yeah, I, I could have gone either way. I do like seeing the characters come back. I didn't care so much about Katara, but uh, eventually they bring Toph back. Cause it's, see, I haven't got to her yet, and that's who I wanted yeah, to see. It's like a whole thing about like Toph is missing. She's been missing for like 10 years. She just wandered out into the wilderness and never came back. And then if, eventually she does poke her head up, and I was very excited about it. It's, like, funny to see, like, Zuko still. Mm-hmm. The, the last thing I watched before I, I stopped was, like, people got broken out of a prison or something. Yeah, that would have been I beginning really don't of season rem- three. Okay, yeah, like, I really don't remember it very well. Whereas, like, Last Airbender I remember so well because I watched it so many times. Yeah, at, end of, at the end of season two when they bring the spirit world back, uh, it, it, like, recreates a group of airbenders. Like, random people get airbending powers really yeah huh. and one of them is one of them is like a murderer and so he he uses his new airbending powers to break out of prison and like reform his gang oh huh. good to know <laughs> well someday i will fully watch that series i definitely want to um but i am excited for the last airbender so i will probably start watching that guys thanks for checking out our episode if you would like to contact us we are at gambots network on twitter or you can email us at gambots.blog at gmail.com otherwise we have a website now that's gambotsnetwork.com where we are putting up uh, reviews of some stuff we either talked about on the show or stuff that we did not get a chance to talk about on the show so check that out if you would like to see some more content from us Otherwise, if you are listening to somewhere where you can rate, we'd appreciate it as that does help us with rankings and everything. But uh, thanks for listening, guys. Thank you.